Welcome to Dad's Nerdy Ambitions. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and joined with me today is the wonderful, the amazing, the Miss Lacey, uh, who is going to be a continual co-host of mine, uh, helping me out the show when David decides he can't show his face, you know, he gets too busy. Uh, but more importantly, uh, we're going to be talking with Brandon Seifert, uh, or Seifert, sorry, apologize. Uh, he was going to screw that up too. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we had a Lego master builder on here. His name is uh, Dana Knudsen, and I kept screwing up his name. And Lacey, that's your last name too, isn't it? It so, is. <laughs> how many people actually screw up your name? Everybody. Everybody? Yeah. <laughs> and Brandon, we talked right before this. Uh, by the way, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for coming and talking to us about our fun subject tonight. But uh, yeah, your name gets uh, slaughtered all the time too, doesn't it? It does, yeah, and it's <laughs> mine is just there's like two letters in it that are in a weird order, and that's enough to throw people off. Um, so yeah, it's it's not like it's you know it's 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 spelled Seifert, but it's pronounced Seifert, and I pronounce it I pronounce it differently. Like if I'm at a pharmacy, I've just given up, and I just say, oh, it's it's Seifert, uh, S-E-I-F-E-R-T, because then I only have to uh, spell it once. Um, if I say cipher, which is, you know, how it is pronounced in German, um, then, you know, it, I have to spell it a couple times. Um, so yeah, no, it's, do, that's, so let me ask you this. Do you ever use the excuse if they don't say your name, right? Like if you get a random call, like, Hey, cause people, mine's pew, P-U-G-H, but I get pug up all the time. I get randos, but if they, so if I'm, I'm that guy, like if they can't say my last name, right. I'm like, Nope, sorry. Nobody here by that name. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I see I tend to just not answer my phone that's my hack for avoiding that so unless it's a number you know if it's a Portland number I might recognize it depends on what time of day it is um but yeah if you're not in my my call list like uh, you know you can leave a voicemail and you know I'll call you back if if I call you back so duly noted duly noted (laughs) um so we have brought you on the show um, and I'm going to do, I'm going to try not to fanboy here a little bit because I am a huge fan of the witch doctor comics. Uh, but I wanted to bring you on to not only talk about the amazing things that you do and the intricacy and complexity that goes into writing a comic, because I really feel like, and I didn't know this for the longest time, how crazy difficult it is to come up and describe and do everything that is into a comic as from the writer's side via to the artist and via to making the comic itself, um, as well as, you know, talking about some of the projects that you have worked on and yeah, it's, it's have you as our special guest. So um, I think we should go ahead and get right into this. Um, so let's start with the basics here, good sir. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, who is Brandon? um hello my name is brandon um i am from alaska i live in portland oregon um and i uh i write comics or perhaps i wrote comics it's a little unclear it's a little fuzzy at this point it's been a number of years since i've had a project come out and i was that used to bother me a lot uh and now it doesn't bother me as much um for reasons that we may or may not get into um uh, the tldr on that is 2022 in the comics industry it's not looking very pretty um, the pandemic has really affected it it really has and then th- there's just like all these things like you know dark horse being sold and um um iw losing a whole bunch of their licenses and um 
the fallout of the imaging and things like that so um skybound do something with amazon recently too like i know they're they're working with a couple projects with them yeah uh, skybound has a first look deal with amazon so all their projects get shown to amazon for television so it's a first look deal for television and that's been in place for a number of years i meant like and that's like that's cool um like uh, that's that's a that's a good thing i i just mean that like most publishers right now have you know like the the action lab lawsuit or um like there's 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 just it feels like there's issues with or comiXology comiXology um like most of the publishers i'm hard pressed to think of a publisher right now that's not having some sort of uh growing pain or just pain like a lot of pain and so uh i don't know and my uh you know my interests have kind of um shifted and and branched out so i am yeah, I'm working a day job and, um, you know, I love to write a novel, love to write some role-playing games, love to do some various stuff. Um, awesome. And I also still love to do some more comics, but I don't know if this year is really the, the year for me to do that. Okay. So that's All right. kind of it, Yeah. It's, it's, so it's definitely been a crazy last couple of years with the pandemic. And I know it's definitely affected. A, we've had a few different uh, nerd sources on here and have talked about like the pros, like, the positives and the negatives that have affected it and it's always interesting to see where the struggles are and where it is affecting them um and you know the comic industry has always been one of those industries that it's been a medium that has had difficulties and to see i i love comics and i absolutely want to keep seeing them prosper um and you know so you are a writer of comics you have done some really cool things uh we're going to talk about uh at least one of them uh the witch doctor uh but you also wrote uh several issues did you do the complete series of the the hellraiser comics um so i did i did a few different hellraiser projects i did an annual uh in chronological order i did mm-hmm. uh an annual uh i did a four issue mini series uh and then i did a 12 issue um ongoing series called Hellraiser the Dark Watch, which was a continuation of the first Hellraiser series that Boom did. And yes. then I did a short story in an angle for the Dark Watch. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think I've got three uh, trade paperbacks worth of my, actually, no, I've got, yeah. So three full trade paperbacks on my, sh- on my Victorian plate shelf in my apartment, <laughs> in my very old apartment uh, of my Hellraiser um, the Dark Watch material, and then I've got another one of Hellraiser: The Road Below, which is the miniseries, and then I've got another one that has the uh, annual in it. So yeah. So, so let me ask you this: Was that a daunting series to take on? I mean, Hellraiser is an iconic series. He is like one of those, you know, he's like Freddy, he's like Jason. He is a he's a horror guy that is known, a pinhead man. So was that daunting to take on? Oh, that was super daunting, especially because like when I first got into horror in high school, you know, my two big, like the two things that I really got into were Clyde Barker's stuff and Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And so, and I continued to be like, you know, the, you know, those are my two big horror inspirations to this day. Um, and this was a series that I was writing, uh, co-writing with Clyde Barker. Mm. Um, and it was, that was very strange. The thought of that was extremely strange. 
uh, it's still strange when I think back at it, especially because I've still never had any direct contact with him. I've never met him. I was in one of his houses, but he wasn't able, he ended up not being able to come and, and meet me. He was in his other house, which was next door. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, no, just like a, a very surreal dissociated kind of experience uh, the entire time. And in retrospect. Um, so yeah, no, it was, and it was also like I'd written um four issues of Witch Doctor and a issue, I think, uh, I think a one shot by that point when I, I, I'm not sure exactly when, uh, what I'd written when I, when I started doing the, um, the Hellraiser ongoing series, uh, Hellraiser, the Dark Watch, but I hadn't really written very much comics. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be, uh, doing this. I have this, um, this outline that that I got from Clive uh, for what he would like to have in it. Uh, I'm going to pitch it as a 12 issue storyline broken up into three uh, like story arcs and uh, and see how it goes from there and then just make it up and figure out how <laughs> on earth I'm going to do this. And uh, I, I relied really heavily on like, uh, the save the cat storytelling method and some other like like those were those were some of the most tightly plotted uh, issues that I've ever done because they had to be because I did not know what I was doing yet and I had to know ahead of time that um, you know I'd left enough room and like they were plotted down to the page like uh, um, the the whole arc it, I didn't know what was what you know it was twelve issues I didn't know exactly what was happening on every page of those twelve issues but. All 12 issues, I knew a number of pages, like four to eight pages. Uh, and like, this is what happens on it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I was so, so insecure. Um, and now you I can't imagine doing that. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I was doing. I was dancing just as fast as I could. That's, that's so amazing. Um, and I think this is a perfect spot to segue into my next question is like, what goes what are the difficulties of making a comic? Like what goes into the actual writing of a comic? Ah, there are a lot of potential difficulties. Um, I'm just on the writing, you know, pure writing before anybody else gets involved when it's, you know, it's the writer and they're writing, uh, not involving editors, not involving artists, not involving colorists, not involving anything else. Um, you have all the, the problems of writing anything else, which are a lot. Like writing is, um, you know, people who are not writers tend, including me when I was younger, tend to have this idea that writing is kind of like you and words and you you figure out which words go where. And so like, that's what it, that's not what writing is. Writing is uh, a, a cage match where you're, you're trapped in, in this cage and all you've got in there with you is your own brain. And that's terrible. Uh, writing is like, it, it tend, for most of us, I feel like, you know, all the people that I've talked to, you know, writing is where, you know, you're like, you know, if, if you have like an evil twin that comes out of a mirror or your shadow turns into like an evil version of you, that's the voice that's, that's talking to you while you write. And they're telling you, oh, no, this is terrible. This is garbage. You don't know what you're doing. Like, why? 
why would anyone want to write this or want to read this? What, what are you doing? Who do you think you're fooling the entire time, except the parts that are really awesome. Like sometimes, you know, you have like a day or an hour or 10 minutes where you're like, Oh yeah, this is brilliant. And sometimes you go back and you look at it and you're like, wow, this really wasn't brilliant. Oh, <laughs> which is why I personally never write drunk because like I go on these, <laughs> these long rambles that I just think are the best thing ever. And the next day I read them, I'm like, well, I can't use a single thing from this. I, there's not a single idea. In any of so, um, so yeah, so writing is writing is hard. Uh, that's the, the the short version of that. Uh, um, and comics is a collaborative medium. You know, you are not. You know, it's not like a novel or a, you know a poem or a short story or something like that where you write a thing and it's the finished thing and that thing gets put out into the world. Comics uh, is a collaborative medium like filmmaking or uh, playwriting or things like that where. You're, you write this script and the script kind of doesn't matter on a level. Like it's there to inform the final product. No one is likely to ever going to read your script in a, you know, no, 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 um, no fan, no reader is ever going to read your script uh, as more than a curiosity. Mm. Um, so um, if you don't put something in a script and you don't convey it to an artist, it's not going to get written. Um, and sometimes you will put things in scripts and they are, it's not going to get drawn rather. Um, it's not going to make it into the, the final product, the comic that results from a, the whole and, process. And you, I, I have to give you huge credit here because you do monsters <laughs> that I is, do. and you do unique monsters, your take on lamp or vampires, your guys, you know, your collaboration with it and was doing every single monster that was in the witch doctor i mean even hellraiser these are not easy things to describe yet you're finding <laughs> a way to do it. It, it like your your ideas of like you sat down and described like uh angels and demons and the in the witch doctor series and they don't look like anything that i ever would have possibly imagined what a demon looks like Yet you're able to describe this to you know the the artists and get it in some way. Like, explain. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so um, so my uh, my collaborator on Witch Doctor, uh, my co-creator and yes. my artist uh, Lucas Kettner. Uh, Lucas is kind of a mad genius, but he's a really kind of a mellow sort of a mad genius. Uh, you know, he's not like a Victor Frankenstein type. I was honestly more of that kind of archetype in that, uh, that interaction. Um, but Lucas is, yeah, Lucas is a mad genius. And one of his gifts is he does monsters. I feel like he does monsters like nobody else in the business. Um, you know, there are some people who are really gifted with monsters in comics. Guy Davis is one of the, the, the prominent ones that off the top of my head. And I feel like, like, I, honestly, like, Lucas's monsters are just amazing. And um, I feel like they're up there with anybody else's in comics. So I had, um, I had a leg up going in like witch doctor was it's a, it's a weird series. So just to describe it in case uh, people haven't aren't familiar with it. So witch doctor is it's a horror medical drama. Uh, it's sort of Dr. House meets Dr. Strange. And it's about this brilliant jerk doctor who, um, is now kind of a wizard on top of being a doctor, you know, in a Doctor Strange kind of mold. Um, but he's still a jerk and he uses magic and his medical training 
to diagnose supernatural diseases. So things like vampirism, werewolves, demonic possession, zombies, stuff like that. Like these are all disease metaphors. And he approaches them as though they were, you know, because you can approach these things as, as if they were infectious diseases, whatever, you know, it, it, if they like come from a supernatural source or a natural source or whatever, like mm-hmm. it, it, it would work uh, to a degree at least. So um, the monsters in Witch Doctor, the conceit was that all the monsters and all the magic were um, tropes from horror fiction and supernatural folklore and things like that. And they were mashed up with actual stuff from medicine and biology. So um, the example I always give is, is our demons. Um, demonic possession in Witch Doctor is... Um, the parasitic larval stage of the demon life cycle. So like a bot fly or something like that. So in the first issue of Witch Doctor, uh, Dr. Morrow, who's the lead, uh, has to deal with this kid who basically has no metaphysical immune system. So his soul has been colonized by possibly dozens of demons. Uh, you know, demon larva is what they are. So in that case, I was, you know, I go to Lucas and I'm like, okay, demon larva. And like, he gets like a little like you know his eyes get a little wider and like <laughs> you know I, I've got his attention and I'm like okay so um, you know here's a bunch of examples of different kinds of larvae and you know send him the photo reference and I'm like and I want to mash these up with stereotypical traits of demons and devils so you know you've got a tail with like you know the the, fo- the fork at the end uh, and you've got like uh, goat horns and cloven hooves and bat wings and fly traits like house fly traits mm-hmm. and so I sent him this list of you know I looked at a whole bunch of art of kind of stereotypical demons and devils and broke them down into like their components and sent him uh, a list uh, it's like okay uh, if you could mash these up with larva uh, that'd be awesome and then he sends me back these just amazing 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 uh bizarre horrific demon larva Mm. and in some cases it was they were just perfect they were spot on they were like what i had imagined but like times 10 like way beyond anything i ever actually could have imagined without having seen it before uh and then a few cases it was like he ended up doing like i don't i don't remember how many different demon larvae i don't know how many different demon larvae there were in witch doctor there were more than six, I think less than 12. Hmm. Um, and he did, I don't know if he did 15 designs or 20 designs and these just quick sketches. And a few of them were more like, okay, that's more of like a monster larva. Like it's not like, it's not saying devil or demon to me specifically. And they all looked amazing. And like, there were some that I was like, oh man, we need to use, like we need to find a place for these. Um, but yeah, so like um, with Lucas it was the only time that we had that I remember us having trouble um, nailing down the look of a monster was with the fairies in issue two. Oh, the so cuckoo fairy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the cuckoo fairies. <laughs> yep. So yeah, it's, and that, that, you know, tells you what they are. Um, it's changelings, um, you know, fairies coming in, stealing your baby and leaving a, a fairy baby in, in its place. Uh, and it's, um, you know, brood parasitism like cuckoo birds do and cuckoo bees and various other cuckoos in the animal kingdom. 
Um, and that one was kind of light on the biology, but I had this, I had this very specific idea, like this, this image in my head of what the, um, the juvenile fairies would look like the, the changelings. Mm-hmm. And then also of what the, you know, like kind of the fairy queen, like the mother fairy would look like. And, um, and Lucas just got the, you know, he totally got the changeling immediately. And then with the mother, he's sending me all these amazing designs with like mushroom wings and things. And I'm like, these look fantastic, but they're not, I have this very specific thing in mind. Um, I want, you know, under, so the fairies had this kind of like goopy skin on top of their real forms. It was, that was what the glamor was, uh, fairy glamor. Um, in the series and underneath them they were these like insectoid mimics passing for human and like kind of influenced by the movie mimic Um, but then also just influenced by what that would look like in my head and it took me a long time to articulate what that would look like what a insect a giant insect that's trying to pass for a human and is doing it more successfully than the ones in mimic would look like (laughs) and um it uh what's that i was gonna say i sorry not to interrupt you i totally got uh like a pinocchio almost porcelain russian doll vibe from the 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 look i was like that's cool yeah the uh the changelings were really inspired by like baby dolls like you know like the toys and the idea that you have you know humans the hard parts are inside and like dolls and action figures and stuff generally like they tend they're frequently hollow and the hard parts of the outside so it's like basically like an exoskeleton like an insect would have so in that case um lucas and i ended up sitting down in the cafe at the borders that used to be in downtown portland and because we we both lived there at the time and uh both live here again um and i was like okay so are you cool with just like I'll tell you things and, and you'll sketch them. <laughs> and like, it felt really weird and invasive and I don't know how comfortable with it he actually was. And I, I wouldn't blame him if he wasn't comfortable with it. We never did it again. Um, but uh, the the mother, like I was basically like, all right, now imagine a pregnant Barbie doll, <laughs> except insect. And, uh, and he, I was like, okay, so uh, like start with like, like sketch a basic like uh, outline of a uh, pregnant human woman while I'm like really awkward about like, uh, I'm like really, I feel like I'm overstepping my bounds. Like I'm brand new at comics. I don't know what, what my boundaries are. And I'm like, so yeah, pregnant, pregnant woman. Now give her uh, at her joints, give her segments. Like she's an insect. Like this is just an exoskeleton that we're seeing. And he, I think that like, he, he immediately like you know start drawing the joints and like it immediately started looking like the thing that I was trying for because what I was trying for was um kind of an un- uncanny valley monster like uh, something that you'd look at and go yeah that, that that looks wrong um but I hadn't art- articulated that very well um and that came up in our conversation where he was like ah, I thought I knew what you meant by uncanny valley but it turns out I was thinking of something else and I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be, that'll explain why when I keep saying, oh, but more Uncanny Valley, it's not getting any kind of, <laughs> like, it's it's not getting any more Uncanny Valley. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, 
sometimes, um, you know, sometimes in comics, like if you're a writer, uh, and I can only speak from the writer's side, you mm. know, because I'm I'm not an artist. Um, I, I can speak from the writer's side and the letterer's side, because um, those are the things I've done. Um, as a writer, sometimes you work with an artist uh, and they just get exactly what you're going for on something. Mm. And sometimes um, what they end up producing is not what you had in mind, uh, but it absolutely works. And you can't think of any reason why not, you know, it, is there a, you had something better about your idea? Yeah. is like, this is better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, there were a lot of things with Witch Doctor where it ended up being like that. There's been a lot of things in general in my career where I'm like, uh, here's a half-baked idea. And the artist just takes it and makes it amazing uh, was, and goes in a different direction. So let me ask you this. What was the inspiration behind the Witch Doctor? Uh, you because the way you described it, I think I, I'm so giddy about that. I truly am because that's how I was describing it to other people. Like, hey, you should read this comic. It's but I I said super. It's it's house meets supernatural, but house meets Doctor Strange definitely does it too. Yeah, uh, it is, and you cross so many spectrums of mythology, lore. Uh, you have King Arthur. You have the Cthulhu mythos, like what was, what inspired you to do this and put all this collaboration together? So uh, Witch Doctor started out in my notebook. I, I used to do writing exercises um, in the kind of the mid 2000s, early in the mid 2000s when the ultimate Marvel line was really big. Uh, I was really inspired. Like I had for years before uh, they did the ultimate Marvel line, I was like, you know what? It'd be really cool. Like if they, they just like, they started new series of like things like Spider-Man and the X-Men and they like uh, just, you know, they rebooted the continuity and they, they, they threw out everything and started over from scratch and only took the good stuff uh, and, you know, and got rid of the stuff that didn't really work and figured out other stuff that worked better for it. Like, that would be really cool. I think, I think people would like that. And then they announced that they were doing that. I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, and I loved those early ultimate series um, Ultimate Spider-Man, especially, and so for the longest time, like I wanted to be a comics writer, but I j it just felt like this unattainable goal. Uh, it just felt like that was not a thing I could reasonably become in my life. Um, and so I never really tried writing scripts or writing pitches, even. Um, I but the thing that I would do as a writing exercise is I would come up with the ultimate version of a character. So like I had like the ultimate Green Lantern was one of them. And it was usually characters that I think have potential um, and have really interesting high concepts, but uh, the execution and the details don't match those concepts. So Doctor Strange is a character that I have always found, like I feel like he has a really interesting concept and I have no affinity for his execution, like for, for the execution on that character. Um, except like, I do really like the Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange in the MCU. Like he's really fun. There are, you know, definitely things I would change with that and wouldn't have done, but um, like that is one that I was like, oh yeah, I like this Dr. Strange. Cool. So um, which doctor started out around 2006 in my notebook under the title ultimate Dr. Strange. And it was the high concept was brilliant jerk doctor um, 
becomes wizard stays a jerk and uses his medical background and magic to fight monsters it was the the exact same concept that we that we ended up using for witch doctor i didn't change anything and then i had the image in my head of dr strange saying scalpel and wong handing him excalibur Mm. and then dr strange saying thank you and then going and fighting a dragon uh and so and that ended up in witch doctor too um Wong turned into a completely different character. Um, Dr. Morrow's assistant, Eric Gast, who's a, a paramedic, uh, who's kind of the, um, you know, the outsider to the supernatural in the book. Uh, and was also ended up being like, he, uh, he was a really fun mix of um, earnest and ironic, which you don't really see a lot, but he could be like, whoa, this is all crazy. And then like totally called Dr. Morrow on his crap. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, so I, I ended up using that um, scalpel, like that's a running gag in Witch Doctor, like, and that was going to. I had a bunch of plans for where that would go with, you know, they're fighting werewolves. He's like scalpel, and Eric hands him a gun with silver bullets, and like, or like, you know, where that's just like their code word for hand me the thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's it's what is it. Which state is it? Georgia that calls everything's Coke down there. So that's oh yeah, like- <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I don't remember which state that is, but yeah, no, it's yeah. All soda is Coke. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the, the same kind of thing. And like uh, one of the things, one of the permutations I had was uh, the doctor's like scalpel, and Eric's like, what, 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 what do you want? We we didn't agree what scalpel meant this time. Oh my god, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> thank you. But yeah, so this started out as Ultimate Doctor Strange, and um, in so fast forward. Um, actually, this was probably like 2004, maybe 2005 when I was, when I was working on this like idea, um, and I never did anything with it. And then 2007, I meet Lucas and we're like, we meet through mutual friends. Um, it's kind of a long story, but we start talking about comics. He's like, yeah, I'd I'd love to write, I'd love to draw comics someday. And I was like, I'd love to, to write comics I, do you want to do a, a comic together and lucas is like oh, i don't know about that <laughs> like, <laughs> I you this, like whole stepbrothers moment we're like did we just become best friends yeah no. and it was and like, like nope. uh, no. <laughs> no no and uh i ran into him a few months later and at, uh, at Powell's Books here in downtown yeah. Portland. And uh, he was like, hey, I've been meaning to email you. Do you want to do a comic together? So we sat down and um, with stacks of like our current like inspiration. And I had brought, like, at the time I was really into things like Scott Pilgrim and Shark Knife and nice. King City. So I bought like a stack of those, like the kind of like, kind of gonzo um, comics that were coming out towards the end of the, uh, the aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lucas has brought uh, the goon Hellboy and a house of mystery reprint. And I'm like, nice. I had, I had been looking at his work after we decided that we were going to um, meet up and talk about, you know, doing a comic together. I'm looking at his work on you know, his, his portfolio online. I'm like, Oh, Oh crap. Uh, this guy's my ticket into the comics industry. <laughs> this guy's amazing. Like, I need to do everything in my power not to screw this up. Cause like I could legitimately like start writing comics in the industry. If I, you know, if I 
work with him and have him making me look good. Um, and so, you know, he's Lucas is like, yeah, I want to do, you know, kind of like um, supernatural horror, uh, urban fantasy kind of thing. And I'm like, huh, that's not really my bag right now. Cause like, I wasn't really into a lot of that at the time. Um, I am honestly like, you know, I mentioned I, I got into horror in uh, in high school. Uh, it wasn't my my first love. Like, I like horror a lot. Like, I really like horror a lot. Um, but like, I love science fiction. And um, so I was like, okay, I will shift gears. And uh, and yeah, let's let's do some sort of like supernatural horror thing. Uh, in kind of a Hellboy vein, perhaps with like you know a bit of a some some levity to it. And in my notes, like I'm kind of frantically going through all my notes forever, and I find the ultimate Doctor Strange idea, and I'm like, ha! And I tell him about it, just as like a this is a funny thing I found in my notes kind of thing. Um, obviously, we're not going to do a Doctor Strange comic together. Like we're going to do something original. And then I go home that night and like, well, what if we made it? Like, what if we, what if we filed the serial numbers off? It's what you know, it's called in the industry, <laughs> like, or like in writing in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, let's take that concept and, um, you know, put new, plug new characters into it, flesh them out. And then, and then I came up with the kind of the missing ingredient that hadn't been in my original ultimate Dr. Strange thing was, and all the monsters are, based on diseases uh which gives him something to be medical about and it's that's a unique um, it's a unique concept it truly truly is that's i think that's what attracted me to the series the most is you didn't look at it from a it's a monster that we accept that that's a monster you took it as this is a disease yeah and it's there the monsters neat. are either diseases or their patients to be treated yes and um and yeah that was really the, the thing that like kind of unlocked everything for me as a writer and it's funny because like i tell people about that you know i'm sure like you have listeners who are having the same reaction that uh, <laughs> people have when i tell them about that aspect when i'm pitching the book at conventions or whatever when they're like oh okay that's cool okay and like people read it and they're like oh okay i get it yeah this is cool um so yeah, the, like the the kind of wonky, like and the, all the, the, the <laughs> monsters are crossed with medical things. Um, I really feel like uh, is what made it made it work because it's like you know there is a, a you know with vampires there is um, you know there's an infection metaphor there like whether it's a curse you know whatever it is whether it's a bloodborne pathogen like you know however it is you can still model the spread of the vampirism the same way you can a disease um so we go ahead and like we we coax that a bit and like the vampires and witch doctor are kind of corpses that have been animated by this parasite living inside them that's like this kind of like giant lamprey thing um that replaces their a bunch of their inner organs and then when it goes to feed the lamprey mouth comes in out like comes up to the inside of the person's mouth and uh you know it attaches to well you know what whoever they're biting so yeah so there's this amazing visual that lucas did of uh somebody with a lamprey's mouth full of weird teeth uh, and that's our vampire how much research did you have to do for so, so case in point your vampire lamprey um how much research did you do into 
lampreys and parasitic diseases and that smort to come up with that concept idea? So, um, <laughs> you initially I know worried this, it I, is I know, how I, much, I, well, it's no, it's, you initially worried it is how much research did you have to do? Probably I had to do a lot less research than I did. I did heaps of research. So with the, the vampire, that was a bit low on research. And I've since come up with other medical explanations or other medicalized versions of vampires hmm. uh, that I like better. Um, but that was like, you know, off the top of my head, having done no research, uh, <laughs> pitching this to Lucas in fall of 2007. That's what I came up with. And it was based on... Um, like the, the comic that it's in is called Interview with a Tapeworm. And it was about, there's an urban legend that you can get rid of tapeworms by like starving yourself for a while. Like if you've got a tapeworm, starving yourself for a while and then um, like holding your mouth open over like a saucer full of warm milk or something like that. And then the tapeworm will smell it and come up. Through. Yeah, <laughs> they don't do that. Tapeworms don't move around. They're like anchored. I, I would um, be traumatized for life if that. Yeah, was true. but I, I read that in the big book of urban legends, <sighs> and um, and I had that idea. Is like, okay, well, what if the the you know, what if it's this like giant intestinal parasite slash like intestine replacement parasite, and what if they lure it out through the host's mouth with a, a you know a, a bucket full of blood or something. Uh, and and so they can dose it with a magic potion that lets it talk so they can interview it about its strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> and like in retrospect, like it was, as I'm saying that, I'm like, oh, that's actually really clever. I like it is, that. It is extremely like, clever. Good it job, is. 2007, Brandon. <laughs> like, oh, that holds up. Huh. Uh, it's rare for me to actually like my, you know, like my writing after the fact. So like, you know, it's been more than 10 years. I'm still like, that's cool. Yeah. I'd read that. It is. They are. Your Each issue has very unique things about it. And it's, it, they are, they are very, very clever. And I can't help but pitch your comics too for our <laughs> listeners because they, they are, they're, they are quite literally one of my favorite comics because of how unique you've come up with stuff. The, case in point uh and i don't want to spoil too much of your comics because i want people to go read them and buy them to help support you uh but like the soul being your immune system your spiritual immune system that's clever thinking there that's looking at something from a different aspect that i never would have come up with in all my dnd days <laughs> well, thank you. And it was, and that came out of, um, for the first issue, Witch Doctor, which was the demonic possession issue, I read at least three books about possession. Um, I read really? The Right, which is about, it's been adapted as a Netflix show, I think, uh, which is about, um, it's written, it was written by a uh, Catholic priest who went to the Vatican to learn to be an exorcist. And it's an account of what he, you know, says he experienced and, and everything and it was fascinating and then i read two other books i don't remember offhand which ones they were one of them um father gabriel amorth amorth i'm not sure how you say his name but the like uh, i think he passed away he was uh he was the most famous uh vatican exorcist and kind of a douche um <laughs> but really interesting person um and there's this idea in um 
possession beliefs that if you're, you know, if your soul leaves your body, so, you know, one of the, you're inviting, you know, potentially it leaves an opening where demons can possess you. Mm. Um, so they discourage things like, uh, exorcists discourage things like transcendental meditation <laughs> and uh, as well as a variety of like, kind of like, oh, okay, dad, kind of stuff. Um, and I found that really interesting. The idea that your soul is what like damaging your soul or removing your soul from your body is what allows these magical parasites in. And I was like, well, I don't want to have souls that are your immortal soul that goes to heaven when you die kind of thing. Um, I want, I would like to involve them in some fashion that fits the setting more is one of my, one of my, uh, one thing I feel like you see a lot in urban fantasy um, is the idea that there's an afterlife. Um, and, you know, that's, it's a very, you know, common idea. A lot of people believe it. Um, and I, I've always had trouble with it. And I thought it would be interesting to do supernatural stuff where that wasn't a given. Um, so I wanted to include souls, but I wanted them to be something different. And that's what we ended up with. And you did include other things in it too. Um, I, I, we've been talking about some of the basic monsters, but you've also brought in other cultural monsters that aren't typical you would see in the United States, you know, when yeah. we're talking about, and you've also brought in the uh, chakra and all that stuff in there too. So you didn't just do demons and angels. You went full ham. You even brought in the great old ones. <laughs> That's true. So that was very calculated, the order in which we did things. So the first four issues of Witch Doctor are, uh, well, the first five issues, if you count issue zero, which you should, mm -hmm. uh, issue zero is vampires, issue one is demonic possession, issue two is changelings and fairies in general. Uh, and then issue three and issue four are the deep ones slash the creature from the Black Lagoon uh, and Cthulhu. Yes. kind of as like a background like they watch an instructional video from like the 50s like this animated instructional video from the 50s and that was very now that i think about it, it was very consciously i think on both me and lucas's parts channeling uh wild world of disney there's just this amazing um short film about what life might like be like if it exists on mars and it was just bizarre. And I, I think the, the film strip that they watched that was my way of delivering the exposition uh -huh. about how in this, in this world, all monsters, vampires, werewolves, demons, whatever, uh, they're evolved from. So in prehistoric times, like dinosaur times, uh, basically Cthulhu and the old ones kind of came to Earth. And their parasites, their, you know, eyebrow mites and their, you know, intestinal worms and things like that, once the old ones were no longer active, kind of evolved to, you know, you know, fulfill their own niches in the ecosystem. And that's what vampires and demons and the creature from the Black Lagoon are. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like this is explained in a film strip from the 50s. <laughs> Uh, it's, which, you know, it's a, you know, artist representation of what the great old ones look like and while the protagonists talk over it. And uh, I, I still really like that sequence. It, it um, very well done. 
it's yeah it was it was a lot of fun to write and lucas just like made it look awesome just amazing were you giggling like the entire time too while you're oh god it? yeah no this there were so many so which doctor was either me being like anxious as hell or uh just gleeful and manic and having so much fun so yeah so yeah issues three and four are deep ones and lovecraft stuff uh and then um we did a one shot which was Lucas wanted, I was like, so what do you want to do? Like, what kind of monsters and stuff do you want in the next issue? He's like, uh, Frankenstein's monster and Egyptian mythology. And I was like, oddly enough, I have a story idea that's about that, which was about um, the Egyptian god of Cyrus was torn into pieces. And so all of his organs are kind of floating around. And so this guy ends up getting a kidney transplant and it's Osiris's kidney and he starts turning into a god. And uh, there's this whole plot behind it. So yeah, so Egyptian mythology and Frankenstein's monster. Uh, and yeah, it's referred to as a Franken god at one point. And then, so like, as it's going, it's getting like the first few issues are like vampires, de demonic possession, Lovecraft stuff. You know, Lovecraft is pushed down. Like it's, it's you have to wait a bit for that. Um, that's after, Lovecraft is after fairies and possession. Uh, and then it's like, okay, now we're getting into gods and like weirder plots and more complicated stuff. And then the second mini series, which was six issues, it was called Witch Doctor Malpractice. That's when it's like, okay, now we've got, you know, another take on vampirism, which is uh, named after, um, um, oh, I don't remember where the, the Strigoi are from, but, oh, that's, it bothers me now that I don't, it's been so long that I don't remember that, but we just kind of yeah. used the name and applied it to a, a different, uh, an actual parasite. Okay. Um, and then, then we get into like uh, mythology or folklore from the Philippines and folklore from the, the Caribbean and uh, the idea of like, um, you know, witches, uh, witchcraft uh, transmitted diseases, uh, alphysiogenic <laughs> transmitted diseases where it's like there is a lot of beliefs that which you know practicing witchcraft or black magic opens you up to become a monster which again you know it's it's a disease infected person metaphor in witch doctor so that's kind of that whole mini series was mostly about different characters who were um you know uh, hosts or victims of witchcraft based you know, diseases that you get as a byproduct from witchcraft. I, I, I like yeah, how you did it as, as like a, we'll call it a, a magical STD. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there's a magical <laughs> STD and that's, that's the kind of the MacGuffin that starts things off. Um, Cause you know, Practice safe magic, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, yep, practice yes, safe magic. Yes. And safe sex when having sex with magical creatures. Um, so. And then you, you, you know, you had some other great characters. I, you know, I want to just gently graze on them a little bit is you had, you had Penny and I'm assuming you named her after uh, Penny dreadful, which are the, the old comics long, long time ago of uh, Frankenstein's was broken down to Penny dreadfuls. Uh, oh my God. Who was all the other ones? Um, I, I know them. Arnie the vampire. There's a lot yes. of like stuff that, you know, is kind of classic, but hasn't withstood the test of time. Yeah. The, the Penny dreadfuls were, I mean, they cost a penny and they were kind of like little 
the pulp magazines of their time. Yes. They're like yes. short story or not short stories, but serialized novels and things like that. But yeah, so uh, Penny, so Penny is Penny is a girl named Penelope. She is established to be an, an um, art student named Penelope who's been possessed by a novel parasite, like a novel infection, something that's not been seen on Earth before. Yeah. And it's connected to old ones and Lovecraft stuff in some fashion that we like teased and hinted at, but never got into. Um, and she has uh, basically like her personality is still awake and aware to some degree inside her body, but there's this monster under her skin now that's running her body. And there are scenes where we see the monster arguing with the girl um, or there's even one scene where the girl comes out and gets to say, oh, you guys are so screwed, uh, which was, oh, writing that scene was just cathartic. And then what ended up happening? Anyway, I, I'm, I'm being too, both being kind of spoilery, but also being kind of teasy, like teasing. It's, it's, um, but it's a good, it's a good series. It, you did. Thank you. you really did. And so yeah. I got to ask this question. Um, are, are there any hopes? Are you guys ever going to come back? To the witch doctor series uh probably not at this point um we both lucas and i have gone our separate ways um you know there's perpetually interest but you know from other people mm. uh there's perpetually reader interest um you know for a long time i didn't want to go back to witch doctor i like i will i will say you know i was the one who quit and i quit a couple times um it was um you know, like those bands that um, are only around for a brief amount of time, but do something really cool, like do some really yeah. cool albums, um, and then just kind of split up because they weren't a very good match for each other. Like it was that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's and it's also like at this point, uh, there's a lot of factors in the way. I am, you know, I had that one project that was kind of a pulp success mm. and then and that was the only original series that i ended up putting out i did one issue of a creator own thing um digitally and but witch doctor was the only like even mini series like of an original project that i i did and so i'm still very much known for that uh you know to the both the people who know me mm. um and <laughs> um and i'm you know i feel i feel defined by it and i'll I get asked a lot more uh, by people, you know, when are you going to do more witch doctor? Then I get asked, what are you going to do next? What's the next new thing you're going to do? And that's the question I'd, I'd prefer people be asking. That, that was actually like, yeah. going to be one of the next Good. questions yeah. I'm going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm somebody who, you know, one of my strength and my weakness as a writer is I'm somebody with 10 million ideas. Um, and so even you know, I have, I continue to develop new, like come up with new ideas and like, um, or have dreams. Uh, like I, in my Facebook memories remind me of dreams. Like I was in this college class in this dream and uh, I meet this guy who was in the war and I knew he'd been in the war because he could manifest a combat exoskeleton. And it's the exact same kind of combat exoskeleton that I can manifest. And I was in the war. So clearly he was in the war too. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Like, I like that. And that was just a dream. So, yeah. So even just like if I, you know, I, I, I decided a long time ago, I only want to work on my 
my best ideas and the ideas I'm most excited about. There are like 12 to 15 of those Mm -hmm. at any given time. Um, And then I'm perpetually having more ideas that kind of get written in a notebook and I have ADHD. So I just forget about them until they come up in my Facebook memories. Um, No, but so, yeah, you, and and you have, you have done some amazing things. And thank you. you I, I will always say, because Witch Doctor is, it holds a special place in my heart. And that's because yeah, it no, was one of those yeah. comics. Um, but you've also done, you've done Hellraiser, dude. That's I have. Awesome. No, I've done, like, I've done a bunch of stuff that's really cool. Like, yeah. uh, Hellraiser was, you know, one of my, you know, horror first loves, like that. And, you know, I was writing Hellraiser fanfic kind of stuff, ro- fan role playing game supplements mm. about Hellraiser in high school. That's, that's cool. Um, yeah. Um, I, I did, yeah, an issue of Godzilla in Hell, which was awesome. Uh, I did, um, I did a, a new series. I did a couple new series that were not originated by me. They were based on other people's ideas, but I fleshed them out. Uh, mm. One of them is called The Harvester from Legendary Comics. Mm. Uh, and the other one was uh, Disney Kingdom's Seekers of the Weird, which was super fun. Um, I did The Fly. I'm looking at my wall because like my Victorian plate, sh- uh, plate shelf that I mentioned, I, I can't, I mentioned, also mentioned I have ADHD and I tend to, it's not that I forget things. I do forget things, but uh, there's a difference in uh, like neuropsychology between forgetting and just not being able to recall at the moment or not, you know, not actively recalling something. So like I'm having to look and like, oh yeah, I wrote Doctor Who. That's the other thing I usually <laughs> That's right. write. I, oh my God, I had yeah. that on my list too. You did do Doctor Who, which is another yeah. fan fiction of mine that I I, I absolutely love. I absolutely a Whovian. Um, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, and that was another one that was like I was either just grinning manically while I wrote it, or incredibly, <laughs> incredibly anxious. That's another um, daunting series to, to was, put yourself yeah. into. And it you was my favorite man, thing. Sir. Thank you. It was my favorite <laughs> thing in pop culture at the time. Yeah. Uh, when I wrote it, so it was like the most pressure I could have possibly had. Hmm. Um, and I just like came i brought my a game and there's this bizarre like it's a time trip road it's a time travel road trip buddy comedy between the 11th doctor and rory williams uh one of his companions uh who was i felt was kind of shortchanged by the short show he was he was great in when he was in there but the focus was mostly on the doctor and, and amy uh rory's wife his fiance and his wife and i was like there needs to be a doctor rory buddy comedy episode and there never was. And I was like, well, I'll write one. And like, I wrote it and like, and I still feel like, you know, it, it, this, the, I wrote the, um, the two-parter uh, in the middle of, uh, I think the second season of the 11th doctor. And um, I still feel like that was like a missed opportunity. Like there should have been like a Dr. Rory episode. Mm. Um, that would have been great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, they, Amy tries to get them to have like a male bonding night and they're so uncomfortable with this idea that they use the TARDIS to skip to later in the night uh, so they can avoid it. But the TARDIS is of course malfunctioning and they end up (laughs) going way too far and then way too far in the other direction when they try to come back and then way too far into the future again. And then uh, there's Rory hits a saber toothed tiger with a magazine. There's a giant gorilla in 1930s, New York, except no, that's not a giant gorilla. It's a regular size gorilla. New York's just been shrunk. Um, (laughs) Basically every idea that I had for a doctor who comic I put in there, except there, there was one idea for a, uh, 
in, in the far distant future, billions of years in the future, the Milky Way galaxy and the Andromeda galaxies are actually going to collide and kind mm-hmm. of like go through each other and then kind of merge. And in one of the ideas I had was by that point, both of the galaxies are just all Dyson spheres and someone's playing billiards with them. <laughs> and that was just too big and too weird and too high concept. And I, that didn't make it in there. Hey, go big or go home, right? You know? Yeah, no, it's true. I already had a, a you know a regular size gorilla in shrunken meat. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, they go camping on the moon. It, it was, yeah, super fun. That's one of those. Um, it's hard for me to reread my writing because I just see the things that I would do differently now. But if I write in enough jokes that are carefully calibrated to my sense of humor, um, then I can avoid that because I'm just too busy <laughs> laughing at these jokes that I've forgotten. So like Witch Doctor and Doctor Who are both examples where nice. I, I can just read them and laugh a lot. Um, I, I do have one more question I want to ask you. Do, like this is when do you, I don't know how often you go to hobby shops or comic book shops and stuff. But do you get what's that? Feel, do you get a warm, fuzzy feeling when you see somebody holding something that you have done? And even just even us fanboy and I me mean fanboying here about something that you have put your blood, sweat and tears into. Does that give you that warm, fuzzy feeling that you go, man? I did that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I was, um, I went to my first um, science fiction convention a couple of years ago, like science fiction novels and short stories convention. Mm. And I was feeling completely out of place. And uh, it was after hours, I was at the bar, I was talking to one of the writers and he was a horror writer and he was just getting like, you could see he was getting more and more like, just less and less impressed with me every word I said uh, because like, you know, I, I made the mistake of telling him that like, you know, science fiction is my first love and like, I, I like horror, but I don't love it. And like, <laughs> no, like not, not, not the best thing to say. And then like, he asked me, you know, what projects have we worked on? And I'm like, well, I was all, I, I co-wrote Hellraiser for, with Clyde Barker for a year. <laughs> crickets, 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 crickets. I'm like, oh, that doesn't impress him. I'm like, oh, I, I wrote some Doctor Who and Godzilla in Hell. And uh, I I wrote this book called Witch Doctor. And he's like, what? Wait, you wrote Witch Doctor? Do you mind if I like fanboy out at you for like a half hour? And I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, that is exactly, like my ego is kind of bruised because like I'm a professional writer, but I'm at this event that has no time for me. And I don't know what to do with myself. And I'm like, yeah, sure, please. Like, <laughs> make my night. And he turned out to be awesome. Like, we're still friends. That's awesome. Um, I, I haven't got his permission to tell his story, so I won't name him. But he's a he's a really fantastic horror author. That's, that's awesome. Well, I will say this. I'm out in Connecticut. So if you, I know you being an H.P. Lovecraft fan, ever want to come out to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, hit me up. We'll go All out right. there together and have a good old time. Plus, the town I live in, uh, Southington was the inspiration for the movie A Haunting in Connecticut. It's actually not up the road for me. Yeah, I didn't know that at one time. And I went by their house and they're like, oh, that's the creepy house. And I was like, <laughs> and they're like, do you ever see this movie? And I was like, no, nope, not going to the house again. <laughs> um, but no, sir, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, where can the beautiful people out there in the wild, wild world of uh, the internet and podcasts? Uh, where can they find you, sir? I'm on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Brandon T. Seifert. See what I did there? 
There you go. Uh, S E I F E R T. Um, I am also on uh, Twitter at Brandon T Seifert, but that's just mostly like today. <laughs> that's mostly bagel. just me retweeting <laughs> stuff uh, that I find amusing. So, um, but yeah, and uh, the comics uh, you can still get Witch Doctor and most of I think all of my work. Uh, by and large, uh, at uh, your local comic store, if you ask them to order it for you. They may have things like Witch Doctor on hand, or they may not. But yeah, no, that's, I definitely recommend, um, you know, that's a way that you can check out, you know, my stuff or a creator's stuff and support the industry and support um, a local small business. Absolutely. And that's all about yeah, support local. ideal. Yeah. Um, I know you don't want to... Before I close this out, I know you don't you don't have any intentions on ever going back to Witch Doctor. However, mm-hmm. if I can inspire you with an idea, uh, a siren who uses podcasts to to allure in people. I'm just saying, we, I think we got a great idea here that we could work with. <laughs> I actually had a uh, my idea for my initial idea for Doctor Morrow's car was that there was a trapped banshee uh in the siren like the old like um ambulance siren i that, like that like That's screamed awesome. <laughs> on a frequency that made people just want to get the hell out of their way um we never we never ended up doing anything oh, with that that's but yeah awesome uh, that's cool <laughs> but yeah no that's and banshees have nothing to do with sirens but like i know but that's i just, heard siren you, I you heard siren and yeah no yeah. i get it yeah uh, <laughs> sir thank you so much and if i could always there's always going to be an open door for you Please come back anytime. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, as always, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so please like and follow us at DNA Pod and on Twitter at NerdDNAPod. You can also find us and listen to us on our webpage at NerdDNAPod.com. Uh, I have been joined by the quiet but lovely, amazing, sweet Lacey and the amazing, impeccable, and creative artist, Brandon Seifert. Thank you so much, sir, for being on the show tonight. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me. It's been really fun. Yep. All right. Thank you, and good night.